0: Well, good morning, everyone, and happy Sabbath. Sabbath. And it's good to be back here in Hohenwald. And the message for today is entitled Signs of the Time. It's a continuation of some thoughts I was sharing the last time that I spoke, and we're going to go more into what's happening in the world today. So before we start, I'm going to offer a word of prayer. Our, Our Father in heaven, we thank you. For the Sabbath day that we can worship you, and I just pray that you would speak through me, and may the message be clear, may it bring hope, but it may, may it also bring conviction as well. So be with us now, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You know, this is an awesome time to be alive. And as Seventh-day Adventists We can't ignore the realities of the things that are happening in the world around us. What is happening in the world around us fits very clearly with what Scripture has told us would take place before Jesus comes back. And I'm going to start with a statement, Testimonies, Volume 9, page 11, which says, We are living in the time of the end. The fast-fulfilling signs of the times declare that the coming of Christ is near at hand. The days in which we live are solemn and important. The Spirit of God is gradually but surely being withdrawn from the earth. Plagues and judgments are already falling upon the despisers of the grace of God. The calamities by land and sea, the unsettled state of society, the alarms of war are portentous. They forecast approaching events of the greatest magnitude— The agencies of evil are combining their forces and consolidating. They are strengthening for the last great crisis. Great changes are soon to take place in our world, and the final movements will be rapid ones. You know, friends, one of these days, and it may be a lot sooner than we realize, things are going to kick into high gear and the final movements are going to go very quickly. And it's interesting... Even the world around us is starting to pay attention to what is happening. In the Associated Press, an article was written just a day or two ago entitled, A Nutty Run of Nature. And they quote this meteorology director at the private service Weather Underground named Jeff Masters, who says, nature's gone crazy, welcome to the future. Extreme weather like this is going to be occurring simultaneously more often, and he says, because of global warning. And then it goes through some of the things that have happened, the hurricanes and the earthquakes and the fires, and I'm going to mention these a little bit. And then they quote a meteorologist from um, Colorado State University who says, it just feels like, you know, it's the apocalyptic times. But then he says, but a lot of this stuff is getting attention because of social media. Now, are you kidding me? So because of social media, the, the, one of the worst flooding disasters ever in the United States with Hurricane Harvey, and then one of the strongest hurricanes that has ever borne down on the United States in Hurricane Irma, that this is simply just social media great bringing greater awareness to what is happening in the world obviously we understand that there is more too, And I'm just going to go through a few of the disasters that have hit, and then we're going to go through Scripture and see what Jesus says about these signs that are happening. Now, when I spoke to you last time, I was all excited about the natural solar eclipse that was going to come. It's come and gone. It was an exciting thing. For those of us who were able to see it, it was an amazing experience, and we got to see a reminder of how perfectly ordered God's creation is. We talked about the signs in the heaven and of the dark day of May 19, 1780, and some of the other signs, but now we're going to be talking today about signs in the earth. And since I spoke here last time, Hurricane Harvey roared ashore just to the southwest of Houston, Texas, but then because of some oddities of weather and different competing weather systems, the system of Harvey hung over the Houston area for a number of days, which is very unusual. And it dumped an estimated 27 trillion gallons of water on Texas and Louisiana. And it looks to be one of the most damaging natural disasters in in US history. Flooding continues to affect large areas of Houston and other areas of Texas. Tens of thousands have been forced to evacuate their homes. Estimates of Harvey's costs vary, with some predicting that the storm will be the most expensive in U.S. history at over $190 billion, surpassing Hurricane Katrina. And Hurricane Katrina was estimated to have cost around $160 billion. In addition, um, there has been what we would call some saber-rattling with North Korea. The President of the United States made a statement on Tuesday, August 8, saying North Korea, best not make any more threats to the United States. They will be met with fire and fury like the world has never seen. He has been very threatening beyond a normal state. They will be met with fire, fury, and frankly, power the likes of which this world has never seen before. Well, those are strong words coming from the President of the United States. Just so you have some kind of an idea of the threat that North Korea poses, they potentially have what are called intercontinental ballistic missiles where they can place nuclear warheads on those missiles. And despite the fact that North Korea is on the other side of the Pacific Ocean, it would only take 37 minutes for a missile to hit Hawaii, 38 minutes to hit Los Angeles, 39 and a half minutes to hit Chicago, 41 minutes to hit Washington D.C., and 40 minutes to hit New York City. That's because they can fire it straight up into the stratosphere and then have it come down at an angle. And at such a rapid speed, there is very little time to prepare if such a missile were to be fired. Now, obviously, we're not hoping that things of that nature would be happen, but it, that they, these things would happen. But it reminds us of Jesus saying that there would be wars and rumors of war. In addition to this, there have been severe fires out west. There have been unstoppable fires in Montana, California, Oregon, and in other places. And just before midnight Thursday night, an 8.2 magnitude earthquake struck southern Mexico, which is the strongest in a century in Mexico, and it killed over 60 people. As I speak right now, Hurricane Irma is straddling the coast of northern Cuba and is about to make a northern turn towards south Florida and forecasts call for it to come roaring through the Keys and then to the western side of the southern peninsula as a category 4 hurricane with the potential to keep going and straddling up the western side of the peninsula as a strong hurricane. And this is one of the worst hurricanes that Florida has ever faced. The potential of destruction is such that all Adventists should be wide awake now to the time that we are living in. You know, Jesus had some strong words to say in Matthew chapter 24, and I'm going to start in verses 32 and 33. Matthew chapter 24, verses 32 and 33. Now, Jesus says this after he has given all of these signs, and we're going to go back and look at the signs. But Jesus says, Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, ye know that summer is nigh or near. So, likewise, ye, when you shall see all these things, know that it is near. Even at the doors. Jesus is saying, look, you know when you look at a tree, when the leaves start to change in our part of the country, when the flowering blossoms come out on the tree, we know that spring has arrived and that summer is near. Jesus is saying, there are certain signs that I am telling you that you should be able to discern that when you see these things, my coming is near, just like when a tree in the springtime starts to flower, you know that summer is near. So when you see the signs that I have told you, you know that my coming is near. Friends, we are seventh-day Adventists. Sometimes we are accused of being alarmist, but I would suggest to you if our message is an an alarmist message, then Jesus himself is an alarmist, because Jesus is the one who gave these signs, and they are in Scripture for us to study and for us to understand. And when we see these things happening, for us to ignore the words of Jesus would be for us to neglect The message that God has given us. Jesus goes on to say in verse 44, Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. Now I want to go back to the beginning signs, starting in verse 3. In the first couple of verses, The disciples had been commenting on how amazing the temple was, and then Jesus says not one stone will be left upon another. The disciples then think this must mean the end of the world when Jesus speaks of the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem. And so they ask him in verse 3, tell us when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of your coming and of the end of the world? And so Jesus masterfully mixes the signs of the destruction of Jerusalem, with the signs of the coming of the end of the world, because they would be so similar. And so in verse 4, Jesus says, take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Verse 6, and you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, see that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences, and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Now, as Seventh-day Adventists, we understand that the beginning of the judgment in heaven began in 1844. So when we put on our prophetic lens and we look at what is happening in the world since 1844, we look at the wars and the rumors of wars that have taken place since that time, and certainly World War I and World War II would be major signs of the coming of Jesus. Those were not just any other war that have ever happened. They were called world wars for a reason. They involved basically the whole world. There have been other wars since then, such as the Korean War and the Vietnam War. There have been the Gulf Wars. Um, We hear the rumors of war potentially with North Korea, and friends, we don't want to see what a nuclear war would look like with North Korea. That is not something that any of us would hope to see. But Jesus says, see that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. And he talks about nation rising against nation, kingdom against kingdom. Certainly, if you step back and look at what Jesus is speaking up from the time of Jerusalem till the end of the world. We think of nations rising and falling in the prophecies of Daniel 2, 7, 8, and 11. And we see even how in our day the United States has become the greatest superpower and kingdom on this earth. But again, all these are the beginning of sorrows. After these wars and rumors of wars. It talks about famines and pestilences and earthquakes in divers places. Now a scripture that I read last month when, I was, when we went through the signs in the heaven is Luke 21 starting in verse 25 which says there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars. We talked about those signs 1780 um, 1833 And upon the earth, the stress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. So not only are there signs in the heaven, there are also signs in the earth. The sea and the waves roaring makes you think more of the hurricanes and things of that nature. Now I do have to mention I've seen this thing going around on Facebook, and this is where we want to be careful about not being speculative in our interpretation of Scripture. Luke 21, verses 25 and 26, has the things that are mentioned there. will people say, isn't it interesting that on August 21 was the eclipse, and on August 25 and 26, Hurricane Harvey hit Texas. 21, 25, and 26. Friends, that's not how we interpret the Bible. That's what Ellen White would call fanciful interpretation of Scripture. But it doesn't take away from the fact that there are signs that are happening right now that tell us that Jesus is coming soon. And so when we keep going through these signs here in Matthew chapter 24... It says, then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. So after these initial signs of the coming of Jesus happen, the next thing to take place will be the persecution of God's people. Then there will be false prophets. It says, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And that reminds me of the famous passage in Hebrews 12 of Jesus enduring the cross, despising the shame, and how we are to run with endurance the race that is set before us. Friends, if we are going to get to the end, the only way is to keep our eyes on Jesus who endured the cross. If we are focused totally on the time of trouble that is coming, we may lose our focus. We may be like the men, as Scripture says in Luke 21, men's hearts failing them for fear. Listen, if you're more afraid of the time of trouble than you are of meeting Jesus, you're not going to make it. You've got to know Jesus enduring to the end the way Jesus endured the cross, laying aside every weight in the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience or endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. If we keep our eyes on Jesus, he will keep us through the storm. Now, I might hasten to add there are some who say, I'm not worried about what is coming, I just need to know who is coming. But friends, you may be deceived if you don't know what's coming. So you have to know both. You need to know Jesus and who he is, but he has also given us signs for a reason about the nature of his coming so that we won't be deceived. Because the devil's going to do a good job of mimicking the coming of Jesus and of deceiving many. Now, when all of these things begin to take place, Jesus says that this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations and then shall the end come now jesus mixes the destruction of jerusalem with the end of the world and the apostles in the first century fulfilled this commission of taking the gospel to the then known world they accomplished that goal and the apostle paul was a huge factor in the in the fulfillment of that commission but this also refers to the gospel commission that god has given to his people at the end of the world where the gospel will be taken to the world for a witness and that witness of the gospel will be fulfilled ultimately in Revelation 18.1 where an angel comes down from heaven having great power and the earth is lightened with his glory where the gospel of God's love and of his character is seen throughout the world as it is proclaimed and seen in the lives of those who have been faithful to Jesus at the time of the end of the world. Even when there are wars and rumors of wars and being Delivered up and being afflicted and being hated and persecuted. And even when iniquity abounds, there will be faithful people on this earth. God's end time people who will take the gospel to the world as a witness. And in combination with that, verse 15 speaks of the coming abomination of desolation. And Jesus says, whoso readeth, let him understand. Ellen White says in... Testimonies for the Church, volume 5, pages 464 and 465. The time is not far distant when, like the early disciples, we shall be forced to seek a refuge in desolate in solitary places, as the siege of Jerusalem by the Roman armies was the signal for flight to the Judean Christians, so the assumption of power on the part of our nation in the decree enforcing the papal Sabbath will be a warning to us. That will then be time to leave the large cities, preparatory to leaving the smaller ones for retired homes and secluded places among the mountains. Now you may be wondering, what are the conditions? That will lead to the abomination of desolation, this abomination of uniting church and state, of uniting that which is supposed to be sacred with that which is common or profane. What will lead that abomination to come together to lead to the desolation or the persecution of God's people? Well, if we study prophecy and understand the workings of Satan, we will understand that it is going to be through disasters and through unrest that the people of this nation will call for such things to take place. I'm going to read you a few statements. Now listen carefully. Great Controversy 589-590. Satan works through the elements also to garner his harvest of unprepared souls. You know, when we see these natural disasters and when we see people who are basically wiped away and lose their lives, this should not be a time for us to be like, well, there goes some more wicked people. This is a sad time because Satan is trying to garner as many unprepared souls as he can for his harvest. He has studied the secrets of the laboratories of nature, and he uses all his power to control the elements as far as God allows. And then she goes on to talk about Job and some of those things, and she goes on to say, he will lead men, Satan will lead men to believe that it is God who is afflicting them. Satan will bring disease and disaster until populous cities are reduced to ruin and desolation. Even now he is at work in accidents and calamities by in sea and by land, in great conf- conflagrations, in fierce tornadoes and terrific hailstorms, in tempest floods, cyclones, that's hurricanes, Tidal waves and earthquakes in every place and in a thousand forms. Satan is exercising his power. He sweeps away the ripening harvest and famine and distress follow. He imparts to the air a deadly taint and thousands perish by the pestilence. These visitations, listen to this, are to become more and more frequent and disastrous. Friends, it's not a social media phenomenon as that meteorologist from Colorado State would like you to believe. This is something that is going to happen more and more frequently as we come closer to the coming of Jesus. Now, this is a fascinating statement. Testimonies, Volume 6, page 4, 7. The restraining spirit of God is even now being withdrawn from the world. Hurricanes. Now, we've seen Harvey, Irma, Jose's out there. Storms, tempests, fire. There's the fires in Montana, Idaho, Washington, California. And flood, Houston, Texas. Disasters by sea and land follow each other in quick succession. Now notice this sentence that Ellen White says, science seeks to explain all these. Now listen, I'm not here to speak for or against the idea of global warming. But all of the scientists are saying that these disasters are a result of global warming. And the servant of the Lord said, Science seeks to explain these disasters. Oh, it's global warming. Continuing, she says, The signs thickening around us, telling of the near approach of the Son of God, are attributed to any other than the true cause. Do you know what the true cause is? It's that the Spirit of God is being withdrawn from the earth. Men cannot discern the sentinel angels restraining the four winds that they shall not blow until the servants of God are sealed. But when God shall bid his angels loose the winds, there will be such a scene of strife as no pen can picture. Now, there's one other statement where Ellen White makes a very fascinating statement about the sealing of God's people and the winds being released. This is manuscript release. Volume 19, page 279 and 280. And she starts off by saying, John the Revelator represents the forces of the earth as four winds, Which are held in check by angels delegated to do this work. And then you can read about the four winds in Revelation 7, verses 1 through 3, which says, I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. So the angels are holding back the winds until God's people are ready to be sealed. Now she goes on to say in paragraph 2 of page 279, from this vision, we can learn why so many are preserved from calamity. If these winds were allowed to blow upon the earth, they would create havoc and desolation. But the world's intricate machinery is running under the Lord's supervision. Listen to this. Hurricanes threatening to break forth are held under control by the regulation of the one who is the protector of the trembling ones that fear God and keep his commandments. The Lord holds back the tempestuous winds. He will not suffer them to go forth on their death mission of vengeance until his servants are sealed in their foreheads. Now, you should be listening very carefully, and that should put your antenna up. When we see hurricanes starting to come forth, Ellen White is saying that they only are being allowed to go forth when God's servants are ready to be sealed. Now, I'm not here to say that this means that we have reached that time, but what I am saying is is that these are the types of things that are going to be happening as the world comes to an end. And we may be much closer to the coming of Jesus than we realize. As we see these disasters, there is going to be a reaction among those who say these disasters are happening because God is pouring his judgments out upon this country, we better get back to God. Great Controversy 591 592 The great deceiver will persuade men that those who serve God are causing these evils they will lament the great wickedness in the world and second the testimony of religious leaders that the great that the that the degraded state of morals is caused by the desecration of Sunday while Satan seeks to destroy those who honor God's law he will cause them to be accused as lawbreakers as men who are dishonoring God and bringing judgments upon the world those who honor the Bible Sabbath will be denounced as enemies of law and order as breaking down the moral restraints of society, causing anarchy and corruption, and calling down the judgments of God upon the earth. Now, we have not yet reached the point where Sabbath keepers are being accused of bringing the judgments of God upon this earth. But friends, we're getting closer. Let me read to you something from a petition found from ingodwetrust.tv. These are religious evangelical leaders here in the United States. And this is a petition that they have just put out this week. And here is the petition they are asking Christians to sign. I, the undersigned as a loyal Christian citizen, join in this petition drive to humbly request that you, and this is addressed to President Donald Trump, that you prayerfully proclaim September 11, 2017, as a national day of prayer, fasting, and repentance for the protection and preservation of America. Now, he already pr- proclaimed last Sunday as a day of prayer based on what happened in Houston. And they go on to say, and this is part of the petition, United States presidents have a long history of crying out to providence during times of national crisis but it has nearly been 100 years since President Woodrow Wilson last called for a day of prayer, fasting, and repentance. That occurred in 1918 near the end of World War I. With a growing threat of terror at home and around the world the time has come for people of faith to bind together and and declare our trust and dependence of God. With your leadership we will unite and ourselves ourselves before the benevolent hand of Almighty God and ask him to keep our nation, the United States of America, her leadership, citizens, armed forces, and first responders safe from attack, both from radical foreign enemies, now listen to this, and domestic ideologies that are dedicated to our destruction. This we ask with gratitude for your wise leadership and steady hand, In God We Trust, and you can find the petition at ingodwetrust.tv. And these aren't just minor little little league evangelical leaders. These are well-known Christian leaders in America, and they are identifying domestic ideologies that are dedicated to our destruction. In fact, there are some Christians who are suggesting that because the mayor of Houston was a a strong pro-LGBT advocate who was going after Christian evangelical ministers who were speaking against it from the pulpit, and this Houston mayor was trying to take away their tax-exempt status, then they're saying, look at Houston now, it's underwater. Now, we're not here to say that. But there are Christian leaders who were saying such a thing. And now they're saying we need to call on the president to call for a day of prayer and fasting to get our people to come back to God because there's domestic ideologies that are dedicated to our destruction. Signs of the Times, January 17, 1884. Men in responsible positions will not only ignore and despise the Sabbath themselves, but from the sacred desk will urge upon the people the observance of the first day of the week, pleading tradition and custom on behalf of this man-made institution. They will point to calamities on land and sea, to the storms of wind, the floods, the earthquakes, the destruction by fire, as judgments indicating God's displeasure because Sunday is not sacredly observed. These calamities will increase more and more. One disaster will fall close upon the heels of another, and those who make void the law of God will point to the few who are keeping the Sabbath of the Fourth Commandment as the ones who are bringing wrath upon this world. This falsehood is Satan's device that he may ensnare the unwary. And friends, if you're paying attention, and again, I'm not here to speak for or against the idea of global warming, but there are some, including the Pope, who are suggesting that a day of rest, would be beneficial because of the global warming that is taking on the place on the planet, that if we were to rest, that it would help to curb the warming of the planet. And again, science tries to explain such ideas and they fall short. Now I want to take you back to the Bible as we come to a conclusion over the next few minutes. Go to Matthew 24, starting in verse 39. Matthew chapter 24, sorry, starting in verse 37. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Now listen, Jesus is not saying that the eating and the drinking and the marrying and the giving in marriage in and of themselves were evil things. He is speaking about the normal order of events in society. He's not speaking about people who were inebriated under the influence of alcohol. He's not even suggesting that these were adulterous marriages. He's actually suggesting these were law and order marriages and lawful eating and drinking that we do to sustain ourselves on a daily basis, but he is saying that that is the way it was before the flood came. There was a usual order of business. People were getting into their usual way of life. They were used to life the way it was, and they could not imagine the world as it then existed coming to an end through a flood that Noah was preaching. And Noah preached for 120 years that a flood would come. And people eventually said, you've cried wolf too long. I don't believe you, Noah. And people say that about Seventh-day Adventists today, saying, you've cried wolf too long. You say Jesus is coming soon. I don't believe that message anymore. But just as it was in the days of Noah, it will be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. People will have closed their ears to the preaching of the nearness of the coming of Jesus. And every time they see some kind of a sign, such as a hurricane or an earthquake or a war, or whatever it may be, they'll say, oh, you Adventists have been saying for 170 years now that this is a sign of the coming of Jesus. Well, guess what, friends? Someday soon, it will be. And just as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Verse 42, watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come, but know this. If Jesus says know this, you better know this. That if the goodman of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would have not suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore, be ye also ready, for in such an hour as you think not the Son of Man cometh. In other words, if you knew what hour a thief was going to come in and break into your house, if you got an inside message from the police, hey, someone's coming at two fifteen a.m. and they they know that you're always dead asleep at that time. They're coming at two fifteen a.m. and they're going to break through, and they're going to come right in, you would be up at 2 a.m. or 1 a.m., and you would be watching. And Jesus says, spiritually speaking, I've warned you. I've given you the signs. And if you're a Seventh-day Adventist, you know this. I haven't told you anything that you haven't heard before. If you're not a Seventh-day Adventist, if this is the first time that you've heard such a message, praise the Lord. Now you have an opportunity to study further and to learn these things. But there is surely coming upon this world destruction and violence that will lead the people of this nation to say, it is time to come back to God. Look at where we have gone as a nation. We have allowed the Supreme Court to legislate changes to marriage and things of that nature that clearly go against the divine order of Scripture. Look at what we have done as a people. Look at where we have come as a country, and now we see these judgments of God coming down upon the land. And I might add, and this is kind of an interesting irony, there is a famous actress, I'm not going to say her name, who is claiming that these hurricanes that are coming to America are Mother Earth rising up in rage against the election of Donald Trump as president. Well, as Seventh-day Adventists, we know that there's something far greater at work here. This is not Mother Earth rising up against a secularly elected president and this is a woman who actually claims to be an atheist so how could mother earth if it doesn't if it's inanimate react to such a thing but anyway but we know that there is something greater that is going on And that the spirit of God is being withdrawn from the earth. And I'm not here to say that there's going to be a Sunday law in three months or six months or a year from now. I'm not setting any dates. I'm not setting any times. All I'm saying is is that Jesus gave these as signs of his coming, as the beginning of sorrows, or as the beginning of birth pangs. As you go into labor, and I've seen it happen very close and personal. Three times I didn't go through it, but I was close by and I've seen the signs, and they increase with rapidity and frequency and intensity. When we start to see these things happen, we know that Jesus is coming soon. I'm going to close with Luke 21. This is the scripture I read a month ago, and I'm going to close with it again, and I've read it earlier, Luke 21, 25 through 28. And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken, and then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads. For your redemption draweth nigh. Friends, I have a question for you today. What are you looking up to? Are you all scared about the end of the world? Are you lifting up your head to Jesus, the Son of Man, the Savior of the world, who is your Savior, who is your Redeemer? And as you see these signs taking place, you know that your redemption draweth nigh. Are you ready for Jesus to come? Is the thought of the coming of Jesus a thought that thrills your soul? Or is it something that scares you to death? Friends, let me tell you something. If it scares you to death, God in his mercy has given you time. Jesus isn't sitting up there in heaven saying, let me see how many people I can keep out of the kingdom. And every time you make a mistake, he's like, you got them again. That's one less we're going to bring into heaven. That's more room for the rest of us. Yeah, that's not Jesus. That's the way some people on earth may want you to feel. But that's not the way God is. It's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. And these signs that are taking place right now, as sad and as destructive as they are, are the mercy of God in giving us time to humble ourselves before Jesus comes. One story that I heard, this was actually... One of my cousins in New York. She went down as a first responder after Hurricane Andrew hit near Miami way back 25 years ago, and she told, she put this story up of a story she experienced where she talked to a couple who had survived the hurricane. And I, I don't know if have any of you ever been through a hurricane. Some of you have. Wow. I mean, I don't. I would not want to be there. i'm 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 not going to be there now realize not everybody can evacuate because you can't just get in your car and drive up 14 hours up i-75 in florida to georgia because all the gas stations have run out of gas what are you going to do so you get stuck and so here's a couple with some small children they're stuck in miami and this category 5 hurricane is blowing over their house and they don't have much of a safe place to be and they put their children into this cabinet below the sink in the bathroom. And that's they all they can do is fit their children there. And they, the parents, stay outside. And as the hurricane blows over, it's, it blows the roof off the house. The walls are collapsing. And then the eye of the hurricane passes over their house. That's the worst place to be. Because the most intense winds are wrapped right around the, the eye wall. And they, they see that the that they are in the middle of the eye. And they check and they see that the whole house has been blown away and that they know that they have the next half of the hurricane to come. And so they come and they they hug each other goodbye because they think they're all going to die. But miraculously, somehow they survived that hurricane. And we don't know what's going to happen with this hurricane that's going to hit Florida. We need to be praying for everybody that's going to be in the path. But that story is an illustration that you may think that the storms of this world are about to blow you away and destroy you. But God in his mercy wants to save each one of us. And if we hang on to him by faith, he will sustain us through the storms that are coming to this world. And we, if we are faithful to him, we will say when Jesus comes, my redemption has drawn nigh and Jesus is here. This is my God. He is here to save us. So friends, as we see these Storms and these signs, may we lift up our heads. And when the roll is called up yonder in heaven, may we be there. That is our closing hymn, and I invite you now to turn to our closing hymn. When the roll is called up yonder, and may we be faithful. Hymn number 216. Father in heaven, I pray that when the roll is called up yonder, each one of us will be there in the new heaven. And I pray that as we see the signs all around us, may our hearts not fail us for fear, but may we learn to trust in Jesus and have such a close walk with him that we will endure to the end by keeping our eyes on Jesus who endured the cross. Lord, if there is someone here today who is struggling in their walk with God, I pray in the quietness of this moment, not any outward action is needed, but that in the quietness of this moment in our hearts, we would resolve to to surrender anything in our lives that is keeping us from being ready to meet Jesus when he comes. And Lord, I pray that it wouldn't be the terrors of the last day that would motivate us, to be ready to meet Jesus, I pray that it would be the goodness of Jesus that would bring us to repentance and motivate us to love the Lord. But as we see the signs around us, may we be watchmen on the walls warning the world that Jesus is coming again. May we be modern-day Noahs announcing that the world will not last forever the way it is, that this is not just a social media phenomenon, but that this is a sign of the coming of Jesus and may we all be ready when Jesus comes is my prayer in Jesus name Amen This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more